Today we're going to be talking about weed. Yes, there's some news that's just come out. So one reason people die from fentanyl is because they get addicted to opioids and get poisoned, right? Uh, yes. And, and one reason that people get addicted to opioids is because they get prescribed opioids and that prescription turns into an addiction. And one of the reasons people get prescribed opioids is to deal with chronic pain, right? Yes. And throughout the country, there are people who use medical marijuana to treat chronic pain as an alternative to opioids, right? I know a number of states have passed laws, yes, related to medical marijuana. So I guess my question is this. Why has the Biden administration not taken marijuana off the list of Schedule One drugs? Marijuana Moment just posted key House committee clears psychedelics amendments to defense bill for floor votes, but blocks marijuana proposals. It goes on to say, a powerful House committee has cleared two psychedelic amendments for floor consideration as part of a large-scale spending bill covering the Department of Defense, but it also blocked separate marijuana-related proposals from advancing. What that basically means is that cannabis and psychedelics are treated as two completely different things. Rightfully, they should be because psychedelics in a classical sense are those things that hit the serotonin 2A receptors in the brain, a very specific subset of your serotonin system. But if you look at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, the whole thing is supposed to be about psychedelics if you just look at it on the namesake. But they're bringing in ketamine, they're bringing in MDMA, which is all fine, and you want to study all these things. MAPS does study cannabis, but when it comes to legislation, they are looked at quite differently. So I've actually had some people asking me a little bit about cannabis, if I use it, how I use it, and in what ways I can stay focused and motivated, because a lot of people see a lot of laziness around cannabis use. And I just had somebody specifically asking me, it's a longtime friend, actually did interviews back in the day with one another, and he was saying that his son has chronic pain and has been considering cannabis. And I've interviewed Dr. Rav Ifker, the author of Cannabis for Chronic Pain, as well as understand even the industry side of it, having interviewed uh, Ron Senior, the Cannabis Industry Accounting Appraisal Guide is his book, but even deeper than that, really understanding that this isn't just some modern phenomena. It goes all the way back into this book, The Secret Drugs of Buddhism, Psychedelic Sacraments and the Origins of Vajrayana, Mike Crowley. Psychedelic Sacraments includes cannabis in there. And then obviously, how could I forget Chris Bennett's Libra 420. This is a compendium of a lot of very interesting history that shows that the oldest sacrament known to man is cannabis. I know I mentioned this recently, but the main thing I want to get into today is how to intentionally use cannabis. But that's the number one thing that I hear a lot of people complain about. I don't like cannabis. It made me really dizzy. It made me really nauseous. It made me really paranoid. I tried it when I was in high school. I tried it when I was in college. Never went back to it. And for most of those people, I would say it's awesome not to do cannabis as well. I don't think that people who don't do it should do it. I do believe that people who do it in an unhealthy way stand the most to learn from how to have a healthy relationship with cannabis. So, 
The first thing I would say is not all cannabis is good for pain. This whole book goes into a lot of different ways in which you can sabotage cannabis's ability to block your pain as well, having to do with your diet, having to do with um, not just the specifics of certain foods that you might be allergic to, all the way down to foods that are just generally inflammatory and sugar, which can be generally inflammatory, to alcohol, to other kinds of medications that could be sabotaging what cannabis could do for your pain. From what I've heard, there is THC and CBD, and the one-to-one ratio between the two is the best for pain. I've heard this from countless people that are out there. And some say, well, I don't like having any THC whatsoever. CBD is highly amplified by putting a little bit of THC, even an unnoticeable amount of THC in there will radically improve the effects of the CBD in anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety. It has a lot of these properties. One other thing that I want to say before I move on from this is as we parse out CBD and THC, the THC makes you high. The CBD is a good, um, in a sense, uh, like a break or a de-accelerator to getting too high. You can also take it with other psychedelics and it helps do some of the same. I've only heard that colloquially. But one thing that there is now peer-reviewed study for is that CBD itself can stop at least the respiratory part of COVID in its tracks. I heard Dr. John Campbell say that now that this has been peer-reviewed, he took a deeper look at it and he said, CBD on its own can stop COVID in its tracks. I don't mind taking his word for that. He said that THC does not do the same. And in fact, THC can sabotage CBD from stopping COVID in its tracks. So if you happen to come down with COVID, and there's news on COVID, if you happen to come down with COVID and you are a smoker or you do like THC, it's good to go off of it while you're just recovering. Take some CBD, only CBD, drink a lot of fluids. If you're into bone broths, try some chicken broth that comes from a real carcass, not one of the ones in the boxes at the store. And that can help you bounce back. And because COVID is a respiratory virus, nebulizing, if you've ever seen those little nebulizers, it puts off steam, but it's kind of cold and you can put essential oils in there. A nebulizer that is into a face mask that you can inhale, there's a certain ingredient blend which has to do with a little bit of sea salt, a little bit of peroxide and distilled water, and you drip that in there, you nebulize that, and supposedly it'll kick COVID in the nuts immediately. So beyond that, we talked about cannabis for pain a little bit. The COVID news that I want to bring up just because it's timely, I just talked about CBD for COVID, is that there's a new shot. Now it's going to be like a flu shot. You get it once annually. And instead of in a time of pandemic when it's absolutely free for you, this one's going to be about $120 to $130. And the CDC has already approved it. I've heard that this brings about a whole new host of issues because this new vaccine may have gone through some testing. However, if it's anything like the flu shot, you will notice that They've tested the very first flu shot, but none of the new variants over time. So they tested the flu shot, but every single time they come up with a different 
flu shot for the next annual year, and we've been doing flu shots for quite some time now, none of those new shots with added ingredients are actually being tested, even on animal models. So just wanted to throw that out there. That's what the CDC is saying. The new COVID is you have it forever because it's always going to be around. It's going to come back in season. COVID is always around. Every single year, you got to come back for your shot. And this time, it's not going to be free. You got to pay for it. Apparently, there may be some programs to uh, have it paid for for you. I don't want to say any of this facetiously. Obviously, you might know where I stand on taking the shots. Um, and hopefully, that's the nuanced way of I don't mind anybody making their own personal decisions, bodily autonomy. You have the freedom to make your own medical choice. And with that, I do believe that we shouldn't be shaming anybody for any of their decisions, no matter what it is. However, that goes both ways. We shouldn't shame people for what they put into their bodies. We shouldn't shame people for not putting those things into their bodies and putting other things into their bodies. And I think intuitively we all know this. I'll tell you one thing that can help you get in touch with it if intuitively you don't realize that we shouldn't be shaming one another is some cannabis. Now, Secret Drugs of Buddhism, I hold this one up specifically to show that spirituality would have you transcend your limited viewpoints of the world. Meaning, if you just think that liberals are bad, or if you just think that conservatives are bad, and you want to transcend it, you realize that there's some stupid political mainstream media narrative that you're probably hypnotized by. You drank the Kool-Aid and you know it, you just don't know how to transcend it. Cannabis can help. And spirituality and the, the pursuit of spirituality, which would be in things like, let's say, meditation, yoga, breath work, service to your community, certain kinds of core tenets that you should uphold, these things can help you transcend limited viewpoints that you may have of the world. And it's really important to transcend those limited viewpoints. Cannabis can help. It can also hurt. I do want to say some things about how cannabis used with intention to research the mind, to discover the self, to uncover aspects of ourselves that might be hidden in the shadows, the things that we don't really want to know about ourselves. We know most of the great things about ourselves unless our ego trip is punishing ourselves for not being good enough. We know and we highlight most of the things we're great at. The things that we're not great at, especially when it comes to character and relationships, they're hiding in the shadows. Cannabis can help bring that up. If you worry about anxiety, first ask yourself, are you worried about just general anxiety that's attached to nothing? Or are you worried that the anxiety might be highlighting something about yourself that probably you should take a look at? Just saying, not pushing. Another thing that I definitely want to show is Chris Bennett's done some really amazing podcasts lately. And this one on Earth Ancients podcast, you can go on Spotify, Earth Ancients. It's the most recent Chris Bennett um, podcast. He has a new book out and he's talking about how in Telerad, Jerusalem, a very um, specific geographical spot where a lot of Hebrew and Christian history has happened. 
In Telarad, Jerusalem, 2,800 years ago, there was this almost the size of a broom closet, uh, big enough for you to walk inside and shut the doors. And it was a fumigation broom closet, if you will. Two altars in there. And they were altars. This was specifically for worship. And you would go in there and you would light frankincense on one side. And you would also light cannabis on the other side. In Telarad, Jerusalem, Hebrews know about this now. This is something that was only discovered maybe a couple years ago. Christians who are really archaeologists, they know this now. They understand that cannabis is deeply rooted in the origins of all these ancient, especially the Abrahamic religions, but even very Eastern ones. This is super fascinating. Frankincense has some kind of a psychoactive effect to it if you fumigate it and breathe a healthy amount of it. I don't suggest it because I don't know of the toxicity points to it. But cannabis, very low toxicity. You can smoke a lot and you will die from uh, whatever smoke itself does to your lungs before you die from the chemicals in it. And it doesn't reach the brainstem. You can eat a whole brick of hash. It will not cause for your breathing to just stop or your heart to just stop like the opiates that does go to the brainstem. And if you take too much of it, your heart and your breathing can just stop. So with that being said, there are a lot of ancient patriarchs like Ashurbanipal who took a lot of edibles and passed out for days, woke up and started to prophesize. And in these days, the reason why I started with the legality of cannabis not moving forward, even though psychedelics are, it's interesting because back in the Old Testament, towards the end of the Old Testament, definitely in the New Testament, Chris Bennett says that you see a specific shift in the way that authorities, local authorities, were looking upon psychedelic uh, or specifically cannabis use. Maybe some psychedelic use, but specifically cannabis use. Why? Because everyone was becoming a prophet. Think about that. People who were using cannabis back in those days, they were all coming out and saying, I'm having downloads too, and they're writing it down. It was great when the king did it, when it was a rare commodity. But now when peasants are becoming prophets, when people are just taking cannabis on their own and all of a sudden writing, maybe not writing, maybe they were illiterate, who knows, but coming up with brilliant downloads and they're convinced this is coming from God too. And the kings are like, no, 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 no. I I have the market. I've cornered the market on God. You guys can't speak for God. <sighs> you sure, man? Because this sounds like God. And I bet you that's exactly how it was happening. People were coming up with these really brilliant philosophical, ideological insights. And so it started to become illegal. There was this ban on cannabis. And I'm not saying that's the exact reason why the ban on cannabis lasted so long. And the ban on cannabis, there's not just one, there's many. There have been many cultures who have banned it. Most of those countries banned it in the 1900s when the U.S. banned it. Because at that point, we were starting to become more global. And if the U.S. does something, you follow suit. You do the same. You want to stay in the United States' good graces. Because the Federal Reserve the United States Central Bank, they have the monopoly on money. 
They have the ability to increase the amount of money in the U.S. supply, and that exports inflation, the effects of inflation, to other countries. So there was this huge ban on cannabis. And now, even though in the United States we've relaxed on that quite a bit, and we've even relaxed on the, the stereotypes and the stigmas around it, we still see that it's difficult on a federal level it may be next to impossible at president at present unless a president comes in and says i want to make cannabis federally legal it may be impossible at present to move this into a legal uh, countrywide legal plant where you can grow it in your backyard and I'll tell you a couple reasons why it would be good for you to grow cannabis in your backyard. And when I say cannabis, that's interchangeable with hemp. I don't care if you have THC. I don't care if you have CBD. I think you should have a little bit of both. You shouldn't try to remove any because that's unnatural. Naturally, there would be lower amounts of THC and lower amounts of CBD. And the way that you would distill it, you would get higher amounts in your distillation process, but you wouldn't be bonkers like you are today with this military-grade weed. So the last thing I do want to say is there is something about growing hemp and growing cannabis that... As you're cultivating this plant, you're also cultivating yourself, literally by touching the soil and utilizing the soil, unless you're doing aeroponic or aquaponic. You are literally getting in the soil and you are having a relationship with a plant. And you can see, even in one day, as I was working on thousands of cannabis plants in Northern California one time, just by rearranging who each plant is sitting next to and then touching their leaves a little bit, by the end of that, not even doing other work than just rearranging them and touching the leaves a little bit, giving them some love, if you will. They went from like this in the morning, all the leaves kind of hanging down like that, to Jesus' hands, right? It almost looks like they're vibrating, even though the plant is sitting still. I want to say that because there are a lot of really important reasons to tend a garden no matter what. You get the microbes under your fingernails, you get it in your mouth, it inoculates your gut. You're having that kind of reciprocal relationship with plants. On top of that, it remediates the soil. Whereas tobacco and many other plants deplete the soil, sometimes even put too much of a certain kind of nitrate back into the soil. And cannabis and hemp remediate the soil. You can continually grow cannabis and hemp in the same soil over and over and over again, and it will have a net positive effect on the earth. It is a regenerative farming tool that might be alien. Some people think it is. I don't. I think it's terrestrial. But these are a few ways that you can have a relationship with the cannabis plant. If you want to destigmatize it without even using it, just grow it. It's good to know how to grow it and you can turn it into medicine if you need it in a pinch. Because again, if at some point you don't want to be taking any pharmaceuticals but you grow your own cannabis, you can prepare it and utilize it 
at times where there's chronic pain. Let's say maybe you don't have chronic pain, but your loved ones do. Maybe it's the only thing that helps with somebody in your family that has epilepsy. Maybe it's the only thing that helps save somebody's life if they have cancer and you want to catch it quick and start taking large amounts of rickson oil done with a um, cleaner um, solvent than naphtha. I guess that's pretty much it. There is something about cannabis that is beautiful. There is something that is slightly dangerous. But I wanted to make this episode for all of you to understand that it is likely the oldest cultivated medicine and plant known to man. Mind you, the ropes, the cords that were made from hemp plants, which is really, really strong cordage, was used all the way up into World War II on boats. So... This is very highly versatile. Likely, the first thing that we domesticated the horse with, likely the first thing that we started making bags and ropes so we can haul things on our back for these long caravans that you've probably seen in the movies through the desert. How is that possible? Because you can tie things to camels. They can store a lot of water. You can tie things to them. You can tie things to your back and you can make it through a desert on a caravan and survive because of this plant. It gave you the usefulness of cords and bags, as well as domesticating the horse, which led to a lot of war. It led to a lot of other good things, but let's admit it, the use of hemp and anything that can be useful in a good way can also be seen to have been a very useful thing to some of the most awful people out there. I think that's pretty much it. I want to show you that cannabis is not a surefire way to increase consciousness, to increase your spirituality. Done unintelligently, it could very likely become an unhealthy habit. However, out of all the intoxicants, it is probably the least likely to become a serious problem in your life. Alcohol, tobacco, um, any of the opiates, I could go on and on, the methamphetamines, all of them far more dangerous, far, far, far more dangerous. And most of the things that you take like Tylenol and aspirin, I would say you have to be more careful with that stuff than you have to be with cannabis. So I'm not trying to pitch it to you, but I am saying I think the stigma that is still blocking cannabis from moving forward with uh, legislation to make it more accessible to people, to get people who are in jail, largely African-American, for having two joints in their pocket still to this day while maybe in the next state over there are people smoking joints on the street and nobody cares there needs to be a lot of rectifications for not just the demonization of this plant but how it has been attributed to other races and other demographics just to make them look as terrible as the stigma on cannabis was i love you all i hope that you wisely ingest any product I hope you wisely go on about your days seeing that things that are elevating in the world, they're not here to scare you. They're here to be the pressure that makes the diamond that is you. But it's not supposed to be a cakewalk. You're supposed to have to meet it this halfway. You're supposed to have to rise to the occasion of it. And life is not meant to just serve you a bunch of rewards and luxuries and uh pleasure. I would imagine that all of you know 
that you're here for some kind of reason, that you are extraordinary. Maybe cannabis can help you discover what that is if you just take a little bit, sit in meditation, and ask the question, how can I better serve my human family? I love you all, and I'll catch you all next time on the Awakening Protocols. Do you have a Do you have a personal view on whether or not marijuana should be a Schedule One drug? As the head of the DEA, I will ultimately be responsible for signing off on will, what the scheduling is. Will you consider is? in the analysis that, that's being done uh, the studies that pretty extensively show that in states where there is medical marijuana access, there's a lower rate of prescribing these opioids that then can lead to addiction, which then can lead to the, the deaths that we've seen. You have my full commitment, Congressman, that I will keep an open mind. I will look at all the research. I expect that we will get you know, additional public comment or research that comes in, and I will look at all of it.